Welcome to the Puck Jobs Podcast, brought to you by AJ and Alex. Alex, we had a ton of things going on this past week. Uh, how you been? Oh, man. I've been good. been good. It's been exciting to be a hockey fan the last couple of weeks. Playoffs are full, full roar, you know, some great games, great matchups, and then just World Hockey Championships to me are one of my favorite times. I just like watching the, the underdog teams. So, but you like World Hockey Championships? I do. I do enjoy it. Actually, a lot more people people give credit give credit for. It's just fun seeing teams like France, Norway, Denmark, Latvia, even Korea. It's just fun watching them. You don't get to watch them on a daily basis, so I just enjoy doing that. But oh, that's a good how about point. You? How about you? How about you? Have you yeah, yeah. For me, I I don't really pay attention to World Hockey Championship. I mean, I see the highlights of teams in that nate, like in that sense, really. Like when it comes to like you know Korea, Denmark, um, like just this, just those uh, like the Czechs beating was it the Czechs beating Russians? Was yep. it, yeah, Pasternak scoring that overtime goal. I mean, I follow with the highlights, not so much anything else, but other than that. Know. I just like I just like seeing the game of hockey grow. Like we have Great Britain coming to the World Championships next year. Like who would have thought Great Britain, you know, is actually good at hockey with their, you know, soccer and everything. So it's just kind of fun to see other nations kind of learn more about hockey and see how entertaining it is. And watching the World Championships, you also can see a different kind of perspective. Like it's like when you and you watch your, the European teams play, like they're all they're constantly chanting like a soccer team, like a soccer team. Like they never stop chanting the whole game. It's just different atmosphere it's just really cool to see how that works so that's why i enjoy it no that's a good point and and not not many people think about that like when it comes to the idea of growing the game and trying to reach out to other countries i mean we've seen with the nhl this past season when they went to china with the vancouver and la kings i don't know how much of a success that was i haven't looked to the logistics of that but i mean it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's trying to go in the... I think they're going in the right direction. Um, turning down the Olympics was obviously a, a big hit. But at the same time, I think they're trying to find other ways of entering into the grassroots sports of other countries and kind of slowly start to develop in other countries. And, I mean, you you already have guys like David Levin. Uh, he played for Sudbury, right? And he's yeah. uh, from Israel. Is it Israel? Yeah, Israel, yeah. He went first overall, yeah. too, in the OHL draft. Yeah, so, I mean, cool stories like that will always emerge. I mean, I always see these highlights from this like, this Japanese, like, little, like, Wonder peewee kid. league. Yeah, like the Wonder Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's cool. A quick touch on the Olympics. Yeah, it, it took a blow to the international hockey, but at the same time, it kind of grew the sport again. If you think about it, no one – if the Olympians or NHL players would have went to the Olympics, Germany would have never made that gold medal final ever. Mm-hmm. You know how big that was in Germany? Like I was reading it during the games, and like every bar was open, like six a.m. in the morning. People were there drinking, you know, just watching hockey. And that to me was like, all right, I know what, this is a telltale good story that the, that can come from the Olympics. You know, the NHL kind of middle. you don't get to see the best players play, but you get to see the, the sport grow. You can see more competitive field from the other teams and they actually have a chance so no exactly and uh, like just to kind of add to the point like if you see like germany within soccer right you see how yeah. the germans act around soccer i mean i mean i think it would be i would imagine it would have been like a similar 
situation, but, and then it's kind of hit or miss, you know, if you had national hockey league players play and you had Germany, I mean, does Germany do as well? Probably not, but they also, but they also get the ability to have players like Dreisaitl, like uh, I believe Christian Ehrhoff. I think he's German. I didn't he's think uh, um, Seidenberg. Seidenberg. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seidenberg. Um, I think who else? Thomas Grice. Grice, yeah. Uh, Kuhnackel. He's German. Kuhnackel. Yeah, there's quite a bit of Germans actually in the league, believe it or not. Yeah, the, exactly. Like uh, Holzer, I think he's German, but I don't know yep. how far he'd go. Grubauer would probably make the German Grubauer team. But, but like that's just going off the top of my head, right? And then, it, yeah. well, our heads, really, but really realistically that german team gets their ass kicked by any other team when it comes to when it comes to finland sweden canada u.s right even the czechs russia exactly like to me it's i know this wasn't one of our planned topics but i just kind of like talking about it to me it's like canada soccer with the World Cup, like you know, we 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 try and qualify for the World Cup every every four years. We obviously know we're never going to make it just because there's better teams. But mm-hmm. if we were to, you know, say take out you know all the pro players, maybe we would stand a chance. Or for example, if U.S. and Mexico hosted it, hosted the World Cup, they would be taken out of contention to qualify because they're they already qualified to host. So that would give Canada kind of a boost, and that to me would grow soccer in Canada because it'd be more entertaining. People would be on the edge of their seat. Oh man, this game they can qualify if they win this game. You know, like, be, like it's kind of a similar thing, maybe not exactly, but it's kind of like because soccer's not as big in Canada as it is over in Europe, right? Well, you see the women's soccer team take yeah. growth, and I mean, I believe they had the head coach of the women's soccer team now coaching the men's, and they're trying to replicate so replicate the women's side of soccer and transition yeah. it right into the men's and kind of grow it in a very similar way because exactly to your point we're not strong in that area so it's a field of weakness and you're always trying to improve your weaknesses but it's it's, it's, it's always cool exactly it's yeah. always exciting that's, seeing that's other countries world hockey championship fan i don't mind if there's no superstars there i just like seeing like i don't watch the canada career games because i already know who's gonna win but the games i do like watching like for example this morning was denmark norway like those games are quite competitive but they're still lower end teams you kind of get to learn and see how they kind of play you know what i mean and you also get to see different players i mean you could see you're seeing i mean look at lafia with uh we always talk about that goalie gulestis now merzlinskins who's the columbus blue jackets one of their top prospect goalies exactly exactly and like you get to see like those players get exposure right it's like it's like a player for, for them it's like going like in canada here we have you know, I don't know how it works in the States, but we have like single A, double A, triple A. So it's like going from house league where there's like, you're not, you know, you're not really getting exposed anywhere. You're just playing more or less for whichever team. And then you go all of a sudden to a triple A team and now you got exposure to like scouts. Well, here you're getting national exposure. And I mean, scouts watch. I mean, there's guys who after the World Hockey Championship who get signed to AHL contracts or NHL tryouts. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah, you look at teams. A years ago. It's yeah, well, Zaitsev is exact is a primer example of that with the Maple Leafs. He's a prime example. Played in the World Hockey Championship, played well, played in the KHL, played well. And obviously, it's oh, it's always a hockey players' dream to eventually play in the National Hockey League, whether which country you're from. 
because it's the greatest league in North America and probably the world for hockey. I mean, it's I'm sure other leagues in Sweden, like the SHL or the SM Liga. Um, I mean, I don't know how comparable they are. The KHL I know is successful, but I don't think it's as successful as the NHL yeah. is when it comes and to. I know I was show I showed I think on Facebook I sent you a couple you know like the whole rankings for the world system. You see teams like Mexico, you see teams like Saudi Arabia, you see teams like Iceland starting up their hockey programs, and you're sitting there and you're like, wow, this is awesome. Like, yeah, they're not very good. They're one of the worst ranked teams in the country, but it's just cool to see that they actually have a national hockey system. Like, who would have thought hockey in Mexico? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just oh, kind of cool to see the sport grow like that. Yeah, of course. And, like, I mean, we're watching the game grow and grow and grow. You already see the transition from the women's leagues as well when it comes to the the – there's two women's leagues. I can't remember them off the top of my head right now. But CWHL, and I'm not sure – yeah, yeah, CWHL and then the NWHL, the National Women's, which yeah. I think they should honestly just merge. But we already see the growth and how the Canadian Women Hockey League added two Chinese teams. And yeah. that was interesting to see how that worked. And I think the one Chinese team actually ended up being pretty good yeah, uh, this season. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they may have won. <laughs> I have to, I'm uh, not sure, but they may have. But I know they had a really good season. So yeah, I'd have, I'd have to go do my homework on that because I haven't and- looked at that at all. But just before we move on to the next subject, another just while we're on the international international topic, how about a, how about a huge shout out to Nathan Walker from the Capitals? He, the Australian, first, yeah, first Australian to ever play in a playoff game. Like that was something that I was like, man, like that's awesome. Like, and he even got a point. He got the game. He got, he got an assist on the on the first goal against yeah. the Penguins. The first Australian to make the game. yeah, exactly. The first Australian to make the NHL gets the overtime winner. Absolutely amazing. So how about them playoffs? Have you been watching? Oh, you know I'm watching. This is the time I'm watching. Even though it kind of hurts a bit just because I was this time last year, my team was right there, right, right in the mix of everything. And now my team's kind of sitting on the sidelines. But it's hey. still entertaining to watch. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I've i been trying to pay attention as much as possible. I got to watch the Game 7 of Washington, or Washington Winnipeg and Nashville. And just the way just the way the fans were into the game the way the players the the hits were harder you know the the neutral zone traps were tighter there was barely any space and when you got space players just made the most of it it was really exciting to watch it's it's at that time where everybody has to be on their a game because one mistake can cost you the whole season that's exactly it that's to me, that's like it's super entertaining to watch because like you, like you literally see the best of the best. You see the best players competing their best, and the the lesser players you beat even better than what you thought they were. But yeah, you get those playoff miracle diamond in the rough Connor Sheeries or Jake yeah. Gensels, Brian Bickle, <laughs> Brian Bickle, yeah, Brian Bickle. Who else? Uh, Justin Williams. He's like an, you know, he's like an average second third liner, and he for whatever reason he just steps his game up in playoffs. It's I always loved watching um, – I, I like watching Zach Cassian in the playoffs. He's fun to watch. Yeah, but uh, do you remember – but... I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember Martin Jelena? Calgary oh, Flames? Man, how, can I, how can I forget about him when he was at Calgary? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I, lo- I love Jelena, man. He was so awesome. He brought everything to the table. He could score. He was rough and hitting the boards. There's just something about the playoffs that just – 
change everything about the dynamic of the game. I mean, I don't know if it's just because it's basically you could legally kill someone on the ice, but <laughs> but like honestly, it's just something about the dynamic of the game and the the pace of it, like and, and the fan interaction and like. like- I found myself even getting excited watching it over TV compared to a regular season game. I was like, all right, here we go, playoff boys, let's go. Like, I'm, like, making time on my schedule <laughs> to actually watch the game. I don't know. I know. something about it. It's great. I know. It's amazing. And, like, I'm sitting at work. Like, I'll, like, rewatch the games on NHL Network or, I'll, like, I'll plug in my my Bell uh, TV no. and I'll, <laughs> I'll just <laughs> watch the game, like, rewatch the game because they're all on CBC, right? Yeah. No, exactly. So, um, I'm gonna get you all salty right now. Uh, Vegas, <laughs> tell me, tell me how you really feel about Vegas. For those that don't Man, know, Alex and I, I talk a lot, like during, like when we're not recording or anything, just about hockey in general. He really doesn't like Vegas. <laughs> oh, it's it's nothing to Vegas. I mean, I think should say something to Vegas fans. All about Vegas fans. I like the team. Don't get me wrong. I like the team. I like the color of their jerseys. I love Gerard Gallant's coach. I, I, I'm not a fan of McC, and I'll get into that in, in a second here. But I, I'd like seeing Vegas win, but at the same time, just how their fans are getting so used to winning. They're not used – like, they think the NHL is kind of, you know, they walk in first season already. They're one, one series away from the Seneca final, and they're sitting there throwing freaking teams under the bus, and the NHL is supposed to be – I thought, the, I thought the NHL was supposed to be hard. The NHL is hard. Look at all the Senators. We're one goal away from the final last year, and they're their second last this year. So don't get your hopes up, Vegas fans. You guys are probably good this year. I don't want to jinx you guys next year, but don't expect another playoff run like this next year because it doesn't happen very often, unless you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. But <laughs> but I, I, I just can't. I don't want to hurt the Vegas fans too much. I, I enjoy watching Vegas. They're fun to watch. And I was all for them until they made conference finals. I was like, no, I can't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's it's so funny seeing like the success of a team that's one year in 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 their inaugural season just have so much success. And like like to your point, they're not used to losing. They won I mean, they finished top of the standings. Yeah. They 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 have a cap hit of sixty eight million and they still have like six point two left in cap space. So if they really wanted, they could have done more. And, I mean, they're gonna and, have Thomas Tatar for the next couple of seasons. Just not to say that they. I mean, there's an argument to say they overpaid, but I think they paid for the length that he had in his term. On top of that, they're like I, I do have a theory of Vegas, and I'll, I'll get to that. But I just think it's remarkable to what they're doing as a team. But I think a lot of it is based on a lot of players are playing for their contracts, you know, for next season. Exactly. That's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, Vegas fans, enjoy while you can. Just trust me. It's, it's a blast when you're there. And I hope you guys enjoy every second of it. If you guys want the top, that's awesome. But don't get used to it. It's not something that happens like on a regular basis. Like look at Nationals. I made the Canada final last year. They were out in the second round. Ottawa, yeah. one goal away from the second finals. Then you make finals this year. Like a Washington presence trophies like year after year after year. Like it's not an easy journey. No, it's it seems like it, but right now just enjoy it, and then just don't give up on your team when they start losing again. Because, and I'm gonna say it, they're gonna start losing again. It's only a matter <laughs> of time before 
either Flurry Colossus, who's had an amazing playoffs, by the way. He deserves Con Smythe if they win if they win the cup. Even if they don't win the cup, then he should get a Con Smythe. But it's not easy to get to the finals. And just don't don't take it for don't take it for granted. That's all I'm saying. I have a question for I you. Go on for hours about how, how you guys took <laughs> one of our best defensemen and traded him away for nothing to Dallas. But you started to cut out there. Just uh, give you a heads up, but right. uh, I, I do have a question for you. If Vegas wins the cup, does David Clarkson get his name on it? I don't think he does. I don't know. If, I don't think so because you, you got to play a certain amount of games, right? So I don't, <laughs> Yes, and if he does, well, that's good for him. I'm not saying what he can do it if like sitting on an injury reserve on an extended team. That was still up for the first team. You know what I didn't realize? Vegas is paying two million of Derek Broussard's salary. Yeah. Was that because what deal because was they that? Because they didn't want it was a Derek Broussard trade to Pittsburgh that Ottawa did, so they could so it ended up they got the Gustafson in a first round pick. But the uh... reason why Vegas did it. Because Winnipeg was the front runner, and Vegas did not want Winnipeg to get their percent. And ironically, Vegas is playing Winnipeg what? in the conference finals. Yeah, ironically, man, George McPhee is a genius. He's just a brilliant, brilliant man. Oh, I don't like George McPhee. Martin and Robert Philip Forsberg. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what though? Like, there's some that could argue like Philip Forsberg was a um, a late bloomer. I mean, I was listening to a. Um, to an interview with Brian Burke and he was saying that like when they had that draft and they drafted Morgan Riley at nine for the Leafs, he was saying that they had Morgan Riley at number one the entire time. Yeah. And if you look, I, and if you look at from, from the guys who immediately stepped into the NHL, I mean, Riley was one of them and you could argue that guys like Lindholm, you know, but again, late bloomers, like, so it's, it's hard to peg, who who has a who's the best prospect of that group? But there's a lot of late bloomers, and not, I love Philip Forsberg. I really do, and I'm nothing against him. But it's an interesting argument. It's it could go either way again. Like when people say, "Oh well, why do we take this player?" Like ten years later, we could take this player and like the same draft. Like she has an eight draft. You 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 can sit there and say, "Well, why do we take this player?" Well, maybe because that player was ranked higher going into the draft and. Mm-hmm. This set player, like no one knows these players are gonna turn to superstars or busts right when they draft them, right? Like they go by the skills and they go by that, their seasons and kind of stuff like that. So you can't sit there and compare, like saying, "Oh, we 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 should have drafted you know Morgan Riley instead of whoever went ahead of them." Like you you can't sit there and say that. Like I, so that's why I I, I know what you're saying. Like no one knew Forbes would be this good, but. Oh yeah. Well, Same no time. one, no one time. knew, no one knew that Neil Yakupov was gonna be a somewhat a bust. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like everyone, everyone had Neil at number one, and yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I honestly think I remember that. I remember that season. Galchenyuk got hurt with the sting, and I would, I think a lot of people had Galchenyuk at number one. I just think he fell due to his injury. So it's it's yeah. Yeah. just imagine though, Forsberg, Backstrom, Ovechkin. Oh, she who's that's off. Like, oh, oh, it's filthy. I know it's filthy. Don't, but at this at that time, Washington was going for it, and they wanted that veteran presence. Yeah. And I mean, and... Same, like, I made the same argument when Ottawa traded away Ben Bishop for Torrance Donner. At the time, Bishop was was blooming like he was. He's our third goalie, 
and we got Corey Conacher, who had having an amazing rookie season, and just kind of vice versa. The roles kind of switched. Bishop became an all star. Corey Conacher kind of faded away. Yeah, yeah. And what are you? Uh, speaking of Conacher, he plays for the Lightning. Um, yep. Tampa, Washington. We just realized, well, not just realized, but the Capitals beat the Lightning in Game One. I'm just. I think it was four two last time I checked. Was it four two? Can Washington overcome it? Can they overcome they it? Finally, they beat the Penguins. Finally, finally beat the Penguins. They finally advanced to the Eastern Conference Final. And now I think they, can do it. they got I think they can. Tampa, and they're up one nothing in the series. I I like Tampa just because of their skill, but I think Washington, from all those years of you know losing these big games against the Penguins, I think the the, the core group there, Ovechkin, one not kind of have that extra jump in their game. I just think that they're the Capitals' character this year. They're not as skilled, but they're also fun under the radar. They no one expects them to win BB Columbus. No one expects them to beat Pittsburgh. No one expects them to beat Tampa. So they don't have any pressure on them right now, and they kind of have that character group to come by and finish those games now. And I think Capitals can beat the Lightning. I hate to say it because AJ, you know how Tampa Lightning and my Tampa Bay Lightning are my second favorite team, and I want them to win the Cup so bad, but. I think this is Ovi's year. I'm going to say it right now. I think Cowboys take the cup this year. Caps for the cup. That's your pick right now. Right now. Caps for the cup. I'm holding that to you. You realize that. All right. All right. Episode two of Puckard's podcast. Everybody referred to it with Capitals. When Ovechkin's skating around the rink with Stanley Cup over his head. Who do you think they play in the finals? Washington and... Winnipeg. 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 I just... I... Don't get me wrong. I think Vegas is a good team. I just, from watching all their games, they have that team, but I they just don't have that goal-scoring oomph that Winnipeg has. Flurry is an amazing goalie. He's playing out of his mind right now. And Vegas has Carlson. Vegas has Marcheseau. Vegas has Riley Smith. Vegas has all these players. James Neal. But James Neal. But they haven't scored like Winnipeg has scored. Winnipeg's been a perfect scoring at will this whole playoffs, even against Nashville. Game seven, they won 5-1. Against the top, against the best team in the NHL, like I just think Winnipeg's offense is going to be too much. Not saying Vegas is going to get swept. I think it's going to be a six-game series, but I just think Winnipeg's offense is going to be too much, and Flurry just not here to handle it as he has been handling San Jose, and the defense isn't going to be able to handle it as they handle they handle the other teams. Well, you sir, I disagree. I All think right, I think so Winnipeg is the powerhouse. I do agree with that. I do think that they have the better team. I think Winnipeg has the better team. But I think Vegas has been defying the odds ever since round one because everyone everyone picked them to lose in the first round. Including me. Against the Kings. Everyone picked them to lose against the Sharks. They beat them. And now everyone's going to pick Vegas to lose against Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg's making some noise now, though. I see. Um, I, I think they are too, but a my couple pick... analysts have, Win- have Vegas picking beating Winnipeg. I'm so... going with Vegas and Washington, and that would be amazing because it'd be the, the first cups in franchise history. That's fair. I mean, the Swedish teams can be the first cup in franchise history. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to see someone other than Pittsburgh. So we covered the playoffs. We cover World Hockey Championships. 
Now, we talked about the draft a little bit, and you and I have some big news regarding the draft. You and I, on the 21st, well, I guess we might be leaving earlier, but depending on some, some things right now, are going to Dallas for the Sports Management Worldwide Conference, where we will get to sit in on guest speakers that include general managers, scouts, player agents. I'm so ecstatic just to be going. But you and I are going. We're going to be at the draft. We're going to be in the lower bowl in the 100 section watching Rasmus Dahlin get drafted to none other to the Buffalo (laughs) tanking Sabres. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the Buffalo Sabres. Does Buffalo trade that pick? No. 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 Yeah. No. I don't I don't I, see it I either. See, I don't see anything honestly, I don't see anything that any team could offer that would entice me to trade that pick. Like, even if Ottawa offered Eric Carlson and a couple uh, Eric Carlson and a couple other picks, I don't see them doing it. But Dolling is what they need. Here here's the issue with this draft. I think based on the scouting reports I've read and seen, now obviously these are just analysts so i don't have actual scouts papers in front of me i think the players are way too close in terms of their skill dynamic i think dalin just is the one who separates himself obviously uh sveshnikov separates himself a little bit i still don't think he's gonna be i don't know i'm 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 edgy with him i don't know like i can i can see where you're coming from with that i think it's depending on the team he's kind of he's kind of like a william nylander you know very, yeah. very high he hockey IQ, here. very fast, um, a quick shot. A lethal shot. But yeah. it's going to be learning that 200-foot game, which I know is cliche to say, but it's, it's not necessarily learning, but it's playing it more at a consistent level at the higher level. But I think the issue with going to the, into this draft is we're going to see a lot of teams back off when it comes to trades because the players are so close together. They, you know, You might be able to trade down and get a player with similar quality, but you might be able to get a late first, like say you have the 12th pick and you're not, you're not sold yeah. on the guy at 12. So there's a team out there who wants to get a particular player. You go, you call them, you trade him, you trade them that pick and you get like a second or third rounder down the line. So you're just filling your prospect pool. It's See, that's teams what... are doing that more often and it, you're finding diamonds in the rough, like the Connor series in the third round, like the Jake Gensels, you know, like, like the like the Kyle Connors in the fourth round for the Winnipeg Jets, you're finding those yeah, guys, yeah. and you're finding them and by acquiring later round picks in exchange for a pick that maybe a play that a team likes. That's kind of what my not my I shouldn't say my inner circle, but my like the the sense circle that I associate myself with. That's kind of what we've been discussing the last couple of days. Is at four if. Let's say Montreal takes Zadina. Do we trade down to six, seven, move down one or two spots, and get another early second rounder? Or we don't have a second. And order. sorry, when you say so we, when you say two. we, um, he's talking about the Ottawa Senators. For those that don't know, yeah, that's sorry, that's yeah, his team. Was... We haven't been around enough to me yeah. and you talk every day. No one else hears us talk, so I know what you're saying. Yeah. No one else knows what you're saying. <laughs> okay, so. Do the Ottawa Senators, if the player they don't want is there, 
do they consider trading down to six, seven again and take a player there who has a similar caliber, arguably, as the player we would have taken was fourth, but also get a second round pick or a third round pick to kind of re- replenish that pool. Exactly. To kind of replenish the picks that we have. We don't have a second or third rounder, right? So that's kind of what the cost has been. Yeah. And I think you're going to see that a lot in this draft, mm-hmm. moving up and down, just because, like you said, every player pretty much from one to 20, it's kind of not one to 20, sorry, but like, like four, seven to 20 are kind of similar. You could either go, like, could go anywhere between that range. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to so. say like four to like 15 are pretty, they're pretty knit, like tight in terms of, yeah. um, I guess, potential. But how do we define the potential? We never know who's going to spring out you know we don't we don't really know it, it's all up to the player and it's all up, up to the developmental staff of the nhl team and the resources that teams can have and utilize to make that player better how they can improve their game i mean we don't know i mean you look at you you look at seventh rounders you know you, you slowly start to see you know get them get their chance or you see undrafted players getting signed um it's like Patrick Hornquist, last pick in the draft. And, he, and he's a he's a crucial player and member of Pittsburgh, and he was for Nashville for even, for years. Even Ryan Dzingo in Ottawa, he's a seventh round pick, and he's arguably our top, in our top six. Exactly, now, so. and even with myself working with, um, for those that don't know, I I assisted the Kitchener Rangers a lot with their their video and um, and more on their analytic side. And I got to be around former players such as Jay McKee, uh, Dennis Weidman, um, and just listening to their stories. But they they were even talking about how, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you get drafted. There's always going to be someone you pushing you out. There's always going to be someone mm-hmm. fighting for your job. And if the guy at the sixth round pick wants him more than the guy at the second round pick, you're taking the sixth, the sixth round pick guy because you know he's gonna give give his his all, and you know that he's gonna want it more than the guy who was drafted in the second round. Nothing is sold, nothing's for granted. The draft is an amazing experience. I'm sure I can't wait to go with you and just enjoy that, soak in that experience for the first time in my entire life. Um, but at the same time, that's that's step one, and that's that's the crazy yeah. thing because on top of that not only are you fighting for a job with guys who are in the NHL now, you're fighting for, for spots with guys who have been in the AHL system for a long time. You're fighting spots with guys who are from the SHL, the KHL, SM Liga, who are coming over from different countries and wanting to play in the NHL. It's not just the guys who are being drafted. And they're, you know, you're always fighting for, for a job. And it's honestly a survival of the fittest when it comes to the National Hockey League. And that's that's why tanking isn't as relevant, I think. Is it because you're out of the playoffs, but you're still fighting for your job for next season? Because, you know, if you finish near the bottom, there's obviously going to be changes and you don't want to be leaving type thing, right? So. No, exactly. And I was just trying to tally up the amount of UFAs that, Vegas has because that kind of goes back to my theory. I mean, there's so many guys who are UFAs or RFAs at the end of the season. They're paying for that. Exactly, paying. They're playing for that paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> like William Carlson, like that guy's 25. And if the hard thing is to determine 
you know, if you're the GM right now of Vegas, do you do you sign him long term, big deal? Do you give him that six, seven million dollar contract that he probably deserves because of the one season? Or do you maybe make a bridge deal? Give him two seasons at four, you know, four or five, and, and then just see where that time comes. You know, he's got to make the most of his buck. And I, it's a tough decision come Vegas, but I think the most interesting team ironically, given that you're a Suns fan, is Ottawa, given that last season they were in the Eastern Conference Final. They're one goal away from advancing to the Stanley Cup. They almost did it. They almost beat Pittsburgh. Double overtime. Double overtime. Lost to Pittsburgh. And here we are today talking about the Senators trying to get a top five draft pick. Man, those, so, those words made me feel happy to say. <laughs> say what? Sorry. <laughs> those words, but one goal away from the Shadow Finals, and now we're in a top five draft pick position. <laughs> <laughs> that just hit you. That hit you, eh? Yeah, that hurt. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to give you a, a heart attack there. <laughs> oh, that's just how quick things turn around, though. That's 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 why I love sports, man. Because every day is a new day for history. That's why I love sports, and it's why I always love the game of hockey so much. It's applied everywhere, but I just I love I love the so game ridiculous. so much. And I, it's kind of speaking to what we're talking about. We could go into next. We could go into next season. We could go into next season with Buffalo winning the Stanley Cup for all we know. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Buffalo yeah, is doing it for a while. To be quite, <laughs> quite honest, I don't think Dolan. I don't think Dolan can say it, man. I we, think. We didn't, we didn't think Buffalo's got, yeah, but Buffalo's a culture thing. You know, I know, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> Buffalo something about Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, they're, and it's crazy. They have the most dedicated fan base. They're, they always have the highest TV reviews when they release at the end of the season. Buffalo's always there watching hockey, but they're never watching the Sabres play. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Kind of to touch on what we were talking about before, but, you know, guys like William Carlson, you know, RFA. Um, if I were a GM and say I was able to clear a lot of money off my salary cap, what's preventing me from not offering an offer sheet to that RFA to maybe crunch the cap on another team? Because at the end of the day, this is a competitive sport. And GMs, agents, you know, analytics, um, the financial side of the game is a large part of to the game that we see in the salary cap era. What's stopping a team from offering William Carlson $7 million? A part of me, I said nothing, but another part of me is like, well, why haven't we seen more? And I think that's because of the draft picks. It's 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 a risk reward type thing. Like if you go and offer William Carlson eight million dollars and kind of force Vegas hand, and Vegas ends up not saying yes and not signing them, then you have William Carlson on an eight year deal for eight million dollars without kind of seeing what he does, and you've got to give up your first, second, and third round mm-hmm. pick. So it's kind of risky, but at the same time, I more often though. I, I don't know why. I just feel like teams 
like, I just feel like it's all about analytics now, and I feel like teams know where they're going to get. I don't there. think it's so much analytics. So, I honestly, even being myself working within analytics, I mean, I think the idea of analytics is kind of overused and also misused, in my opinion, just the way teams number crunch. I mean, at the end of the day, it's data collection. That's what it is. You're gathering information on for your players, for your team, and you're trying to improve your weak spots. You know, a, a lot of the times you're trying to in, incorporate new ideas or just, just look at the game from a different point of view and try to gather what went wrong, what went right, what can we do better, you know, just things in that kind of element of, of the game. But I think when it comes down to number crunching, one, it comes down to how much of financial resources does the team have? Two, as you mentioned, the draft, you're, you're going to be drafting anywhere between one to seven, like seven players, possibly more, depending on how many picks you have or acquire during the offseason, the trade deadline, etc. And you really have to look into okay, we can do this, we could do that. And there's a lot of strategies and a lot of teams are becoming a lot more efficient in the way that they spend their money. So when it comes down to number crunching, exactly what you said, Alex, why, why not, you know, like, why not just spend the money? Why not just give a guy... What's like? What's stopping the Maple Leafs from going at John Tavares and giving him one year at fifteen million dollars? I know he's a UFA, and I know that's a different kind of situation. But what's you know? Okay, John, we're gonna give you fifteen million. Stay with us for one season, and non-disclosure under the table. S- sign a long-term deal afterwards for like seven. I, it's legal. I it's legal. There's nothing against it. You know, it, I, and I and I went down to Tampa before with a couple with a couple with a couple players. Can barely hear you, my friend. Done. A little now. bit. <laughs> That's better. I, I, I don't know why it's not happening. I know it's illegal, but I, I know it's ha- probably it probably has happened with a quarter bit of oh, players. I, but I do I'm it not... in GM mode all the time. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'll go. I'll, I'll dip into free agency uh, and I'll sign a guy, and I'll be like, eh, "I got the money for it. We'll just dump ten mil on Doughty, and uh, <laughs> the next season I'll pay him like seven point two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never tried it in GM, but to be honest, I'm all about term GM. Like, I don't like having long term players that are crap contracts, and I don't like signing players long term. You <laughs> know, like today I was just doing a GM mode, and I signed Subban, Matthew Subban, to a five year deal. But that was only for one point five million dollars. <laughs> take that risk. But then I have Patrick E, who was asking for four years for four point five million. And I was like, yeah, no. no. You're like, so I don't know. I just don't. I, I, I don't well, know it's why. more so but, when you're an agent. Okay, you're looking out. I'd imagine the mindset of the agent is to protect and get the best deal for his player. So the idea of someone going on a one-year deal, I mean, most times one-year deals mean that we're not sure about you, but we want to give you a chance. Here's a bone. You, you do what you want with it. Yeah. Or you have guys like in Joe Thornton's situation, guy, um, Patrick Marlowe, you know, guys who are getting up in age that 
okay, you guys are still efficient in the NHL. You can still compete. You can still play. We know we know you can play, but uh, we're you yeah, know age is the factor. Yeah, father time catches up, and we don't want to run the risk of signing you to a four or five year deal and then have you be on our salary cap and end up like you know Jason Garrison or you know David Clarkson. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. We don't know why it happens, but the app cuts out. But we're really glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Don't you just love when when you're trying to do something and it just doesn't go the right way? <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's, it's great. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's really it's really beneficial to have it cut out at seven minutes in. Yeah, and I'm still and I'm still talking. And I don't know if it's going to record. It's not me talking to myself. but <laughs> That's so funny. No, I, whatever. It is it is what it is. But guys, we're using Anchor. And uh, it does yeah, tend to cut out sometimes because the way it works is it breaks everything down into segments to make it more efficient. So if you, you know, you're bored of the first segment, you could skip to the last segment. It's up to you. It's totally yeah. user-friendly in that sense. But uh, we're still new, still learning, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, but <laughs> be, before cut out, my question was: <laughs> Would you see an offer sheet at all this season? Like, do you think someone takes a chance and you know goes after Mark Stone or somebody who's with an RFA? Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking at, right? You'd have to. I think you assess. You assess the team's salary cap situation. I mean, what, like, if I'm a GM, I'm going after Jacob Truba, Matt Dumba, maybe Connor Mark Hellbook. Stone. Mark Stone. Honestly, I'm, I'm. I don't know how I feel about Stone. I just. I like him, but I, I, I just, there's something. There's something I don't. That's fair. I, I prefer. Think... I'd prefer Elias Lindholm. And I that might be a. That might be a positional thing for me, though. That could be. I just think if a team really hates us, which it seems like a lot of teams do, <laughs> they could, and they know we need to stop resign Carlson. Like we, they know that you know Carlson's our priority. They and they come and offer us a nine point five million dollar deal for Mark Stone. Mark Stone signs it. We're kind of either take the deal and have nine point five million dollars hit Mark Stone has nine point five million dollars be forced to freaking you know, trade away Carlson because we know we can't afford it. And they get compensation. And then we get three, I think it's three first round picks for over $9 million, so we get the three next year picks. But then we'd be forced to trade either Duchesne or Carlson because we're kind of anti in the money we just spent on Stone, $9.5 million, when we went towards either of them. So well, That's exactly would, the strategy. Well, I know, but they, would a team take that chance? Because if we don't, if we don't match it, they would have nine point five Mark Stone nine point five million dollars on their team. And I love Mark Stone. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's worth nine point five. I'd probably say seven point five eight. But I think it's how you feel about the player. Really, do you think he could be no. more than what he's playing? You know, like I do. I think he can get. I think he can be one of the one of the greatest two way forwards in the league because he's been top three takeaways for the past four or five seasons and put up 30 goals constantly. But I'm just thinking more of it, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, they, you know, were Battle of Ontario. They go ahead and offer 
obviously this, this is after all their financial situations clear and they have the money. I know they probably hypothetically they have the money and they know that we you know we need we are in trouble. We need to sign Duchesne, Carlson, and Stone. Do they just you know out of spite and try to make us to force us to get rid of our best player who out sign Mark Stone a nine point five million dollar contract? Kind of get, makes our hands tied, mm-hmm. right? Nine point five million dollars tied up in one player where we could have used that money on Carlson, and then we're kind of forced to trade away either Duchesne or Carlson. There goes a big piece of our core. Like, not saying Toronto will do that, but it's just like an example. The team really wanted to tie force your hand on something; they could do it, which kind of scares me. Yeah, well, but, the teams that are most likely to do that, and why not when you had the money? Arizona, sixteen million. In cap space, Vegas. In Vegas was six, and but they're going to lose a bunch of contracts too. So sure. what's stopping Vegas from adding a guy like Truba on their back end? Then you have OEL and Truba, you know. I, I think the big part is the quiet too. Like they, 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 they technically can't talk to the. Quiet. You're quiet. <laughs> Better. Better. Whatever you're doing. Okay, it's when I it's when I it's when I sit down. It's weird. When I'm walking around, when I sit down, it goes quiet. You just yeah, I can just but, picture you. You're just pacing and you're pacing in your room. I am. That's literally what I'm doing. Walking back and forth. That's great. Oh, that's great. And then when I sit down, my feet start hurting. Now it goes quiet. But yeah, your microphone's just like stand up, get exercise. Yeah, stand up. Please. This is, no, this no is sit for you. It's my fifth bit that's interfering with the freaking phone. <laughs> I sit down. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but as I was saying, I think it comes down to the player too, because like Vegas can't you know legally talk to Truba until because he's he's in the U.S. RFA and still part of Winnipeg. So they they by taking the chance of going after him and then getting rejected, it kind of like. I forget who did it. I think it was Jay Feaster with Calgary when he did that with Ryan O'Reilly. I don't know exactly what happened. But I know he did something illegally and Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly signed it, but he couldn't go because something was blocking him. I forget what it was, but I think it was a no-movement clause maybe. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, there might, there's, yeah. I, uh, I don't... And that just made a farce of the Calgary Flames. Like the whole league was laughing at them like, Jay Feaster, you're a joke. Like, you got to know the rules if you're the general manager. And I have honestly, I haven't seen a chopper sheet since. <laughs> so I don't know if teams are afraid of that. You know, kind of seeing the little things are going to miss. Well, there is a know. period in which you can contact, is it not? A UFA, yeah, but not an RFA. I don't think an RFA because you can't. You an RFA is automatic, either guaranteed a one-year contract or above. Because they got to go to arbitration, and then they settle on a one-year contract if they can't do anything more automatically. Yeah, I so, mean, that the arbitration period does kind of prevent teams from making contact with players. Yeah. But I'd imagine, like, agents agents get paid by how much their, their client gets paid, and their client is the player, and that's the product. Yeah. So what's stopping an agent from saying, you know what, let's just hold out. Let's just be a little difficult, take the time. And we're it's gonna work I, out down the road, but like I mean, the, I think the way that would work is it'd be they they would qual like the team would qualify offer them, and then when and then if they don't sign the qualifying offer, they go to free agency. They're still in RFA, they still have the offer, but they gotta wait. And then that way they can talk to other teams. I know that's how it works in any, the NHL games. So I'm assuming the NHL games are based off of mm-hmm. that. Like you, like you see like players that are RFA's all the time in the free agency. 
but there are, and then, then, you know, as the season goes on, you see them sign. Or even, for example, you have an RFA on your team, you send them a qualifying offer. They don't accept it, but they go to free agency because they'll talk to teams, and they have till December 1st to accept your contract. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm assuming that's how it works. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the player has the right at the end of the day, right? I mean, really, even looking yeah. at even oh. looking at the draft, uh, Kachuk has decided that no matter which team drafts him, even though he's a projected, what, top six, top, top five. five? Top five. He's, yeah. he's most likely going to be staying at Boston University. Do you think a decision like that goes into the minds of a general manager and that's something that's weighed? Or do are they okay with that because it's another year of development? I'm, that's a good question, actually. I'm not sure. I think it does play a part because I know, as a Sanders fan, Dorian said, our GM came out and said, Directly, we want a player that can help us out next year. So they're obviously not going to go take the chuck if he's not going to be able to help us out next year. Okay, you counter I mean? question. Outside of Drasmus Dolan, who is ready to play in the NHL next year? In my opinion, there's probably three players, and that would be aside from Kachuk, because I think Kachuk is NHL ready. But that would be Sveshnikov, Zadina, and I'd probably go with Evan Bouchard. But from London, that's just, those are my guys. But yeah, they're, they're, they're good picks, that's... and I mean they can definitely make an impact. It's just a matter of how a team utilizes. I mean, look at Barzell. Look yeah. at Barzell. It's an unreal. So, I, answer your question. I do think it weighs on some GMs. Some GMs, I think they don't care. They don't pay whoever they can. But some GMs, like they need that desperate improvement, and yeah, it's gonna weigh. Well, I guess we're going to find out when we head to the draft. Dallas. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. The flying's going to suck, but yeah, fine. Oh, what? Road trip to Dallas. For... Six hours on a sweaty-ass plane. <laughs> you don't like planes? It's going to be hot. I've only, I've only, be only been on a plane once, and I, I loved it. No, I, I do like it. I don't mind flying. It's just wait, it gets really hot. Like, the plane I took was the Punta Cana, and the the, the plane had no air conditioning. So <laughs> when we were on the plane, what for five kind hours, of plane has no air conditioning? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. It sucked. It, like I didn't mind in the air. I had no problem with that. I was like, oh, this is sick. And I'm listening to my music and do whatever. But then, like three and a half hours in, you start smelling freaking bo, and you start sweating. And the students are the students are walking around handing out free water bottles because people are freaking sweating their asses off. <laughs> so. And then you get to put a can on, it's even harder to put a can if you don't have time to cool off. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's a great, great you, trip. You, you come here. The airplane needs to have air conditioning, and Dallas is going to be hot. <laughs> so just be prepared you for You come that. here for a hockey podcast, and you get travel advice out of Budokan. We lost connection again. Alex, you really got to fix that internet. This is the Puck Chats Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. You know, just just for that comment, just for that comment, <laughs> we're going to Putacana. <laughs> do it, man. I'm totally. I want to go back so bad. I have nobody that wants to go with me, so I'm totally uh, down. I don't think you want to deal with ginger sweat, <laughs> man. If I can deal with old freaking sixty year old lady sweat and old man sweat, I'm fine. What's wrong with sixty year old ladies? <laughs> oh man, they they, they smell. <laughs>
No, sorry if any, don't know if any elderly people listen to our podcast, but man, they stink when they when they're sweating. Oh, oh my sounds god! Like, sounds like is it like I, I don't I don't know I don't know if it's their teeth that are rotting rotting from the inside or what. But I don't know. Just a six year old woman with rotting teeth. You never know, man. I don't On know. Non air conditioned plane in Puget. Guys, stay tuned for my next podcast launching next week. Travel tips with Al. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I don't even. He's actually want. actually want to go to. I've actually. You you cut out I'm there, but there's something yeah. about going to Pudicetta. Well, honestly, this yeah, time, I, well, this I, this I, Dallas I trip down is like a twelve hundred dollar trip. So I mean, it's it's gonna. I'm working overtime right now just so I can, not 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 that screw. Oh, next, next year. year, you think? Eh. My girlfriend might get pissed because <laughs> you can bring you can bring the girlfriend. That's fine. I'll find somebody. Bring the girlfriend and we'll pick up a stranger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll pick up one of those sixty year sixty year old on the plane that go down with their girls. I was like, hey, you want you want you want you want to come spend the week with me? I'll give you I'll give you a free water. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a free water. I'll make sure your teeth don't rot from the inside either. I I, I brought toothpaste. Hey, you know what they say about women who don't have teeth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're all fine. Oh, how do you, where do we, how do no we biting. get here? How did, how did we get here? <laughs> I don't know, man. This uh, is what happened. Oh, Jesus. I, I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm, I really, I really <laughs> don't apologize. Don't apologize. apologize. This is great. <laughs> I don't. I this don't is great. Any art. <laughs> I, I honestly don't All right. Well, speaking of the, uh, here, here's my transition. You ready for this? Here, get ready. Speaking of uh, the old, and out, and uh, into the new. Oh. Kyle Dubis, nice. Maple Leafs GM, announced today. Well, I guess in. Well, yeah, announced today, May 11th. Yeah. Lou Lamorello, the old, he gone. Well, he's not gone, but he's gone. I don't know if that makes sense. He's there's rumors. There's rumors he's going to the Islanders to work with the Sun. But I I think there is a hidden meeting. I don't know if you watched the did Kyle do his press conference. They probably don't care because it's a Leafs. It's a no, Leafs. No, rela- no. It's a Leafs related. Don't, don't um, <laughs> really don't care. But. He Dubas mentions something. I'm not. I'm not going to quote him, but I'll paraphrase. He said something along the lines of working with Lou in the future. He said, "I'll look forward to working with him in, in the future," which makes me kind of yeah. think, you know, is, is Lou just staying around? I mean, we don't know. But I don't know. And the funny, the crazy the, thing yeah, is, is Dubas is not even the youngest GM in Leafs history. No, so Dubas is thirty-two. I have to search this up. Um, he's not in the old. He's not. He's no, not the well, John Chaco, how old's that guy? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Um, hang on. There's a guy in the eighties. Uh, GM loose history. Oh yeah, oh, the eighties, the times when we were live. Um, <clears throat> I hear so. 
from those old ladies on the plane. I type around. in youngest GM leaves history, and all, all I see is Kyle Dubas, which is incorrect. <laughs> I know it's I know it's not him because there was <laughs> there was a guy in the eighties. I, I can't remember, but he was thirty years old. I remember listening about him before, but yeah, Kyle Dubas leaves GM. Everyone pegs him to be this analytics guy. I think he brings an analytics element, but I think he's going to be great for the organization. I think he's learned a lot under Lou. And I mean, I'm not surprised Dubas got the GM job. There's so much talk around this area. I mean, so Alex and I live in Ontario, so it's very hockey centric and it's very Toronto centric. Unfortunately, not for like, you know, teams like Ottawa, teams like Montreal, unless you're yeah vancouver yeah but like it's you know it's very toronto centric so a lot of leafs news everywhere but everyone was saying that oh he's not going to be you know he's not ready he's not you know he just just saying senseless comments really but i think he is ready i think he's proven it and i think he's going to be great for the organization moving forward and i i think his Time will. I think he's going to bring a Stanley Cup to Toronto. In my opinion, I mean, I. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> you and your side guy. I don't go making comments about you being. Okay, never mind. I did, but. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Nonetheless, Toronto on the up and up. Ottawa, hopefully, on the up and up after this draft. I mean, it's both of our teams should be in good shape come the 20 2018 2019 season i'm not sure about i'm not sold on dubis yet to be honest but that's because again i haven't been following the leafs so i'm not you know what your opinion is invalid and i don't care i'm just trying i'm just kind of i don't care obviously because i've seen what he can do (laughs) compared to other people well i care and i'm sure the viewers care about the senator's opinion on toronto maple leafs we are Alex, you fans, are the only Senators all. fan that cares. <laughs> probably. Probably. You're probably right about that, but I need to have a voice for all the other Senators fans that don't care, but that may we maybe want to hear. Or all the other Senators fans that don't want to mm-hmm. admit. Fair enough. Well, here, here's my question for you. Do you think with guys such as John Chaka, Kyle Dubas now in the, in the general management role, are we seeing a weeding out process of out with the old and in with the new kind of young guy. Like, do you think we're taking a, uh, a directional yeah. turn in terms of the NHL getting I younger, do. but also at the management level too, where it's just not like hockey, old hockey men, you know? I do. Yes. I, I, I do think that because I'm again, it's kind of like I said, the old, the old people are kind hey, of like, watch it. Old people. Your six-year-old women on... Sorry, (laughs) sorry. The older veterans of the industry have kind of this mindset that you need to be tough and gritty still. If that is the case, you need that for playoffs. But it's also kind of like the NHL is evolving constantly, right? And you kind of need that young, fresh mind there that kind of grow with it and kind of see where the trends are heading. Like me and you, we didn't grow up in that old-time hockey with those constant fights. We kind of, you know, the kind of growing when it was slowly getting weeded out. And now all we see is young guys coming in, young, fresh like guys with legs, compared to tough guys that could still probably, still probably play. I love the way you describe that. Guys now, with legs. <laughs> guys, guys with, with legs. legs. Yes. 
because the, 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 the grinders like Chris Neal or Ty Domi. Guys, I think this app is out to get us. Keeps cutting out. I don't know why. But this is the Puck Just Podcast. Thank you guys for staying and thanks for listening. You got to fix your internet. <laughs> it's not me. No one's on the internet right now, so I don't know. It's not me I mean, either. I do live in the middle of the forest, so it could be me. Yeah, but as I was saying before, it, we, I got really interrupted. Was <laughs> Anchor. that on TSN, on TSN today it showed that five general managers are under the age of 50 in the NHL. So I can kind of see that trend continuing just because they need fresh ideas and they need good young guys to come in and help evolve the game. So mm-hmm. there's still for us. I think it's just a new way of thinking, but I think it's yeah. just trying to add ideas. I mean, watching the press conference today, Shanahan mentioned something about bringing Dubas in was kind of just to bring a fresh mind, a new perspective, yeah. you know, a, a new exactly. a new guy to add to the conversation and just see where it's at. And obviously, it's worked out because, you know, we we got yes, we got Austin Matthews, and that was a very generational. <laughs> type player kind of help that we needed but after the awesome matthews first and second season he's been in the playoffs so they're doing something right that guy kind of build around awesome matthews and lou i love lou don't get me wrong but he's kind of the older generation of hockey veterans who you know built the like he has polak he has matt martin he has all these slower big guys that can hit but they don't have the quick guys and then awesome matthews needs to play with. Yeah, they have Nylander, Marner, and Connor Brown, but... Mm-hmm. Nope, fair enough. The only I want to ask you about this is, and I, it can nothing to relate to Dubas' skill, but it's more how would you feel being Ron Hainsey and the older people on the team that, the, that your general manager is five years younger than you? I don't think... Well, what's, what's, what's wrong with the boss? Like, think, think it put it into a realistic setting. Today in the work, the work field and the workforce, you you're always gonna have you know people that are older than you who are your boss, and you're gonna have people who are younger than you. So I think it's just, I think it's just yeah, a common no. thing nowadays. No, I think it's it's more this it's more of it's, I mean to me it'd be kind of weird. I mean I know I'm I'm not the same age as these guys, but I'm 23 and I report to a 19 year old. Like I it's I get it, and I get that's how it goes, and maybe he's better he or she is better skilled mm-hmm. for the job than I am. But if I'm Ron Hainsey, you know, 15 years in the league where uh, Cal Dubas is only 15 years old when I started in the league and now he's my boss. It's just, it's just a, I don't think they're going to, you know, disrespect them or anything like that or ask for a trade because of it. I think it's, I just want to kind of, if you were in their situation, how would you feel? I, I personally feel weird at first, but I'm sure I'd get used to it eventually. It's just kind of. Well, do you know what, do you know what I would do? I'd tell Ron Hainsey. You asked for a trade. You worry about your game, and I'll worry about keeping your ass out of the press box. That's what I would say. And with that, I think we should definitely conclude this podcast. It's great chatting with you, Alex. As always, guys, you can tune in weekly. We're going to be doing this every single week. The Puck Joss Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, or where you can like our photos, in which we post almost daily. You could also find us on the Anchor app, in which we've mentioned a few times, which rudely interrupts Alex and his rants about Putakana 60-year-old women. Oh. 
And you can also find us on iTunes, yep. Google Play, and Pocket Cast. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to ask us questions, guys. If you have any questions, feel free to send one from Instagram or anything. Alex, you always ruin my ending. All, every, every time. I got it, man. Because you don't wait until I <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>